0: The Crude Life every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday.
1: Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Speece. I'm your host. Some have referred to me as the Shale Play Prophet. Others, the North Dakota Nomad. We are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern, Provolone, is manning the production elements of the podcast. Coming up on today's program, William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, will be joining us on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines to talk about their newest certification ESMP, that is Environmental and Social Management Plan. Also, ESG, Environmental Social Governance. Those are two separate things. One works with the other. They have to do with the equator principles that a lot of banks are requiring oil and gas companies to get just another example of how Meridian Energy Group and William Prentice are on the forefront of things. They are way ahead of things, especially when it comes to the energy innovation with the environmental side of things. I remember five years ago talking to Mr. Prentice about the trees and the bushes and getting down to the soil in terms of what their environmental plan was. So very excited that they were given the certification for environmental and social management plan, ESMP. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, joining us in just a bit here on the Crude Life Podcast. Coming up at the end of the program with our daily update, it's North Dakota Land Commissioner Jody Smith responds to having multiple meetings behind closed doors regarding the state looking to collect natural gas royalties. going to ask her why the doors were closed, if that's normal, and uh, what the story is behind that. Headlines coming up in just a moment or two, the daily headlines here. Provolone, our entitled intern, gathers three headlines. We like to read... The headline and a couple paragraphs and move on, make our assessment, and that's life. So coming up in just a moment or two, our popular headlines coming up. Our sponsor for today is Royal Creek Consulting. Royal Creek Consulting services the oil and gas industry and provides business development services for supply and service companies. They are currently working in Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. For more information, visit Royal Creek Consulting.com. That's Royal Creek Consulting.com. Our featured event for today. Thank you very much, Tiffany Steiner, for making us aware of the 23rd annual API Gumbo Cook Off on Saturday, March 28th at the West River Ice Rink in Dickinson, North Dakota. More information for that, of course, available. At our website, thecrudelife.com, we have the links on our show page. That is the 23rd Annual API Gumbo Cookoff on Saturday, March 28th at the West River Ice Rink Center. For more information, contact Tiffany Steiner. The links are available, like I said, at thecrudelife.com. If you have an upcoming event that you would like featured here at the Crude Life Podcast, feel free to email jason at thecrudelife.com. That's jason at thecrudelife.com. Next, we have the Earth's champion, Johnny Green, and the Eco Watch. Looks like another big contractor dramatically quit in the Australian solar sector. How about that? The Downer Group, who is the largest, biggest contractor and constructor of the large-scale solar farm in Australia, dramatically exited the solar business, saying it was too hard. They're out of the solar business. CEO Grant Fenn told Analysis during a phone Briefing of the company's half-year earning on Wednesday. Developers, contractors, and bankers all struggle to come to terms with the risk of large power loss factors, grid stability problems, connection problems, and equipment performance issues, said Fenn. So this is something that we have been well aware of in this neck of the woods. But it's another example of those who just platitude out there that we can make the shift to renewable energy. No problem, it'll just happen with a flick of a switch. This is another example that you folks out there who are trying to educate, inform, and entertain those people that need to know, this is one of those stories they should know. This is a, one of the biggest companies in Australia said we can't do it, we can't make it work. We've gotten subsidies, we've gotten social support, we got the UN blessing everything we're doing and we still can't make it work. So. Johnny Green, the Earth's champ. That's why you're the champ, man. Keep an eye on that stuff. Thank you very much. I love Johnny Green. I mean, his big thing is cell phones, but what gets me, what gets me and catches me, that's what gets me means. You like that, Provolone? See, we're not editing today. What gets me and gets me is that Johnny Green not only believes cell phones are the biggest polluter on the planet, and the earthchampion.com is his website. But Johnny Green, the Earth's champion, the environmentalist that the Crude Life sponsored, went out and won the tournament because renewables ain't doable without fossil fuelable. We love Johnny Green's saying for that. We also love the fact that cell phones are the number one polluter on the planet. We agree with that. And not only does it pollute the planet, but it can pollute your mind as well. So Johnny Green is asking everybody to power their cell phone down for one hour a day, and we can keep driving our SUVs. All right, that's a message we can get behind here at The Crude Life. All right, go get them, Johnny. Coming up next, let's see, William Prentice on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. He is the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. Ending the show with Jody Smith, the North Dakota Land Commissioner. I'm gonna ask her why they've been having multiple meetings behind closed doors regarding the state trying to collect natural gas royalties. And coming up right after this 30-second break, because we gotta pay the bills, we're gonna do headlines. Cause in order to keep the lights on, we gotta inform, educate, and entertain you folks on how we keep the lights on. It's not just the flick of the switch, it is the hard-working men and women out there in the field in the offices, and in the trucks, and in the cafes, making it happen, and it's good companies like Royal Creek Consulting. Royal Creek Consulting services the oil and gas industry and provides business development services for supply and service companies. They are working in Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. For more information, visit
2: royalcreekconsulting.com the crude life every monday through thursday with a week in review on friday Historic.
0: the first full conversion refinery to be built in the u.s in over 40 years innovative the cleanest most technologically advanced downstream project ever The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
2: Welcome
1: back to the Crude Life podcast. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up in just a moment or two, we're going to do headlines. We're expecting a call from Bailey Midkiff with. WIC, that's Williams Insulation Companies. He's at Doug Rockies, the D-U-G in Rockies. Mr. Bailey Midkiff is going to give us an update from there. Provolone, that is your responsibility, is to patch him in when we get that phone call from Mr. Bailey Midkiff with WIC. But for right now, I'm going to get into headlines because I love the fact that Provolone, you worked so hard at putting together three headlines for me which are available at the crudelife.com's show page, right on our podcast page. The first headline comes from the Gazette, which I'm not sure where the Gazette comes from, but it looks like a Colorado newspaper. Colorado voters who live near fracking operations are likely to support the industry. Study says... Colorado voters who live near fracking operations are likely to be more supportive of the industry, according to a new study. Authors Daniel Ramme and Alan Krupnik of the Resources for the Future and Morgan Bazelaine of the Payne Institute for Public Policy at the Colorado School of Mines reviewed precinct-level election data from the 2018 Colorado election that resulted in the defeat of controversial Proposition 112. Well, here's what I'm taking from that is, first of all, of course, people that live near fracking operations are going to be more supportive of the industry because they understand what's going on at a local level. They understand how it works. They go to church with the folks. They go to school. The kids go to school together. They are living a life together, so they understand it. They're looking out for each other. People who don't live In oil and gas communities sure do like to tell people how to live their life. That's the one thing I've noticed, especially state capitals. Boy, do they really, really like telling people how to live their life. Environmentalists love telling people how to live their life. But in the abstract, they're not. They are not at all concerned about the environment. And you can go to Patagonia and talk about them using synthetic products and using gas in order to to get their products from point a to point b and here they got a social cause against it or you can just do simple things just it's 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 an argument that i do not want to get into because it's not worth it anybody who argues against it is not worth my time anymore they obviously do not understand the way physics work the way economies work and the way life works You can live in platitude planet all day long, the planet of platitudes. You can live there all day long. But just last segment, the largest solar constructor in Australia, who's giving every entitlement possible to make things work, said, we're out, we're up. So again, I go back to folks in Colorado, what you really need to focus on. Well, there's a lot of things that you need to focus on, but One of the conversations we've been having here is the reverse of local control. The way an out-of-state organization is funding a couple people at a local level. And if that's their full-time job is to go to different meetings and to go to different places to make sure their agenda passes, I've seen it in North Dakota. Meridian Energy Group received 11,000 emails and like 90 7% of them were identical copy and paste because they have the resources, they have the templates and the environmentalists have the will because this is not like any other activism. It is so easy to walk outside and connect with the environment. It is very easy to go on a walk, go swimming and connect with the environment, okay? A lot of people have trouble with religion. They they have a hard time, something catches them up, whatever the case might be. But the environment, that is personal, that is individual, and environmentalists love to tell you how to live your life, just like Leonardo DiCaprio loves to tell you how to live your life while he jet sets across on his private jet. Planet of Platitudes. That story is available at crudelife.com on our show page. Coming up next on our headlines, our daily headlines, where we like to read the headline in a couple paragraphs, because that is the way the average person reads the news in today's world. Bakken plays a big role for Strong Year. Excuse me, let's start over here. Bakken plays big role in Strong Year for Crestwood. Crestwood Equity Partners set a Bakken record to end 2019. The midstream provider with oil, gas, and water gathered infrastructure across several U.S. shale plays said the 2019 volume expansions in the Bakken allowed the company to keep pace with the shale plays. Two projects in the Bakken drove Crestwood's record year the Aero System, used for oil gathering, and the Bear Den 2 gas processing facility. The Colt Hub transloading facility outside of Williston, North Dakota is also seeing increased interest. So there's your three right there. Crestwood has AeroSystems, Bear Den 2, and Colt Hub that are doing excellent work out there. This is a great story coming out of the Bakken because this is the one thing that we've been trying to say for a long time. Even during the downturn, the Bakken was still putting out like a million barrels a day, which was huge for them. You know, it's not Texas by any means, but for the Bakken, it's tremendous. And although everybody was talking about a downturn, they were still putting out a million barrels a day. So we still were having record numbers. That's the thing. The industry's changed. The industry's changed. You need to figure out who's doing the business, how they're doing the business, and how you can help them. Because right now, a lot of people are making steak sandwiches. Who's going to make the better steak sandwich? The industry is going through a major change a social change, a governance change, an environmental change, all kind, an innovative change. So congratulations, Crestwood. You're doing some fantastic work out there. Coming up next, we've got dinosaurs were warm-blooded. Study of fossil eggshells suggests. If this is real, this is amazing. This is from sciencenews.com. Dinosaurs sit at an evolutionary point between birds, which are warm blooded, and reptiles, which are cold blooded, said Dr. Robin Dawson, a researcher in the Department of Geology and Geophysics at Yale University. Our results suggest that all major groups of dinosaurs had warmer body temperatures than their environment. All right, two things from this story here. Number one, I believe Yale's trying to divest themselves from oil and gas activity. So I find it very funny that this story is coming out at the same time. Number two, this shows science changes. That's the difference. This is the one thing. Getting back to environmentalists, the one thing that climate change advocates, scientists, anyone who calls himself a climate scientist, should understand that science changes. I mean, if we actually find out that dinosaurs were warm-blooded, that is going to have an impact and a ripple throughout a lot of science. Just like when we thought the atom was the smallest thing and then they split it open and all that goo came out and then they found smaller things. Just like when Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity and consensus science disagreed with him. Consensus science disagreed with Albert Einstein's theory of relativity and Albert Einstein just looked at him and said, just takes one a year to prove me wrong. Sure, 200 of you have signed this organization and pact saying that I'm wrong. Well, guess what? Only one of you needs to prove me wrong. And that's why science works. Science is always changing. This cult of environmentalism that's going on, they believe it's already set in stone. They don't believe the science changes. They don't believe the Earth changes. By the way, Earth changes. Ask Pangea. I mean, you want to get into it with me. We're going to talk about the sun. We're going to talk about the magnetic pole. And we're going to talk about a word called earth changes, not climate changes, earth changes, because Pangea was a thing, and not even a 100 years ago, Pangea was not a thing. Now all of a sudden, some science, you know the guy that actually came up with the idea for Pangea, the continents that were all together? He died before they actually approved it, so he went to his grave not knowing that Now that's the reality. He changed science, he changed the way we look at history and the way we do a lot of physics and geology. So just a little food for thought before I get too far off the rails here. And Provolone, you're in charge of throwing the foam oil swag at me when, look at that. I mean, you've got a fish, you've got a dinosaur, you've got a bat, you've got oil drums, oil drops, all kinds of different things. You know, I get those at the oil and gas shows because my son loves to put them in the trampoline and popcorn doesn't do it so much as he used to but man we must bet we had 50 75 of those things in there and the kids were just jumping like crazy and boom 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 and it looked like popcorn in there and the kids do they loved it and that's going to do it for headlines Waiting for Bailey Midkiff still with an update from DUG Doug Rockies in Denver, Colorado. William Prentice about to join us on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. Bailey Midkiff calling in with an update. And also Jody Smith with the North Dakota Land Department. She's the commissioner. She's the North Dakota Land Commissioner. At the end of the program responding to why some of the meetings they had were behind closed doors in a letter that went out to collect Millions in back royalties, natural gas royalties, all that plus much more in, in just a moment or two. But we're going to take a brief pause and make sure we pay some bills to keep the lights on. Because here at The Crude Life, not only do we want to keep the lights on, we want to inform, educate, and entertain the masses on how we keep the lights on. And it is by the hard working men and women out there working in the field, just like the people at Royal Creek Consulting royal creek consulting services the oil and gas industry and provides business development services for supply and service companies they are currently working in the following states virginia west virginia pennsylvania ohio louisiana oklahoma colorado new mexico texas and for more information visit royalcreekconsulting.com It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say.
0: To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life, you know? What do you do in society? You succeed at a thing, and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch.
1: For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. Provolone, our entitled intern, is manning the production elements of the podcast. We are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group on our Bakken Barbecue phone lines. Meridian Energy Group is a leader in energy innovation, especially when it comes to the environment. Meridian Energy Group is spearheading the Davis Refinery in the Bakken and the Walton Refinery down in the Permian. And Provolone, are we ready with Mr. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group? Let's get a mic level check from him. Provolone, if you wouldn't mind, please.
3: Hi, this is Bill Prentice at Meridian Energy Group.
1: Appreciate you joining the program here today. Before we get into the environmental and social management plan, could you give us an update on where things are with the development of the refineries both in North Dakota, outside of Belfield, and then the one down in West Texas as well.
3: Uh, sure, no problem. Um, Davis Refinery up in Belfield, uh, we're sort of tying up loose ends uh, as they get started on the the project financing raise. Uh, it's going to be a, a $1.1 billion financing for Davis, and we're just kind of getting started on that. But uh, trying to get it closed and done before, uh, before the beginning of summer so that we can get out in the field and get a lot done in the, uh, in the project site. Um, but you know, most of the modules will not be arriving and and foundations won't be completed till a year from this coming Sunday. So that's when most of the field activity will, will happen is after this next coming winter. Um, on Walton station down in the Permian of doing uh, site surveys, soil and geology work, uh, a lot of pre permitting type design, uh, collecting the uh, crude assays for the uh, for the local crude supplies that we're going to be counting on for our, our crude oil. And then, uh, you know, go ahead and get the permitting started on that and try to have that plant in operation about a year after the Davis uh, facility gets started. So, uh, you know, looking at uh, maybe early 2023 for Davis, uh, later that year for Walton Station. But, uh, you know, part of that is weather down in, uh, in Texas might cooperate with us a little bit better and uh, we'll be able to hold to a tighter schedule down there.
1: I got the press release the other day about Meridian's environmental social management plan. And when when did you guys decide to adapt that framework, if you will, to the equator principles, the risk management when it comes to uh, being out in the marketplace like that, this uh, environmental and social management plan. Why is that so significant to how you guys are going forward. Cause you and I have been talking about this for three, four five years, but to mm-hmm. label it and to actually put it in a presentation, like we're starting to see, uh, I mean, you're on the cutting again, you're, you're on the forefront of this on the cutting edge again. You know, like I said, we've been talking about this for three, four years, but why is it significant to kind of put it together in, in, in a framework of, of risk management and equator principles? well,
2: you know, I, I mentioned we're
3: we're just kind of getting started on the the real hard work of the Davis project financing, and as as we get uh, further into it, it's it's clear that all the stuff that we've done, you know, the substance of how we approach this business, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we've been talking about it for five years or so, but over the last five years, there's been an entirely new, let's just say, lexicon of of buzzwords and other ways of thinking about and talking about environmental and social concerns and risk management. And it became clear to us that, uh, you know, as as pure as our heart is with regard to these things and always has been, uh, we need to be able to uh, uh, put this in within a structure and, and apply the kind of verbiage and documentation that allows everybody else to instantly recognize what we've been doing and why. And we're really kind of grateful for the way the industry has developed on this area because suddenly uh, we're going to get full credit out in the capital markets for everything that we've been doing for the past five years. Um, but, you know, part of this is uh, that many of the institutional investors that we're going to be dealing with have uh, have signed on to the so-called equator principles, uh, which you can look up online. And that's one of the organizing groups that have helped kind of coalesce this whole way of thinking about new big energy projects. So it gives us a basis for organizing all of our documentation and proving that, uh, you know, this is in fact going to be a great project for the industry and the environment and our country.
1: I was talking with um, Joseph Bendick, J.B. Bendick. from the Novatus organization the other day, and he brought up the uh, ESG is what he called it. That's the uh, environmental, social governance plan. And and then I I saw your guys's press release, and it was it was a different acronym. And then you know it, today here I'm calling it the you know environmental and social management plan. And it is it's that new. It reminds me of when like the drones came out to where it was UAS and then it was UAVs and then it, it was all these different names that they were trying to get for the industry but the, the point is still there that there is a there is a key framework to this there are some core values and you know like i was saying five years ago we're talking about working with county officials planting trees that are are correct to the to the geography and looking at the different foliage and all kinds of different things um what are the key facets when it you really boil it down to the environmental and social management plan. How much of it was from what you guys had already discovered and have already done the due diligence on? And was there anything kind of new that was 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 folded in? Because I agree with you. I think this is a good thing. And for companies like yours, it's really quite almost turnkey for what you're already doing.
3: Yeah, we're, you know, again, we we always try to make the point that this is not something that's new to us. Uh, the ESG acronym, uh, environmental, social, governance, um, is kind of the broader concept, and you know the governance part of it is is key because you can you can espouse these uh, concepts and commitments to doing the things that are that are good as far as the environment and society are concerned, but unless you run your company in a way that's consistent with that, it doesn't do anything more than give you some good press release material. So what we've done is, uh, you know, adopt everything that we began doing for Davis back in 2014. And put that into a environmental and and social management plan, which is now a key corporate governance document. Um, You know, it has the same weight and, and sense of purpose to it as our overall strategic plan does. Um, and you know, the, the, key facets of it are, um, you know, again, I, I, mentioned the equator principles earlier. Um, there are, are 10 principles involved in that, in that organizing, uh, set of documents, uh, we went through this process, uh, with our, both of our investment bankers here over the past three or four months and an exhaustive, uh, review by them as to where we were on all 10 of those principles and we're, we have been in compliance with them for years. Uh, you know, and that just runs a gamut of, you know, uh, how you think about a project, whether it's a major project or minor and all of our projects are treated as major, uh, we do our own in house environmental and social assessment. Which, in other words, you know, before we even applied for permits with Billings County, uh, we worked with, uh, you know, SEH and other firms, uh, Zia Engineering, to do a California-style environmental impact statement, including, uh, you know, Native American uh, cultural issues, uh, overall uh, societal issues, and we did all that before we applied for any permits. material went into our Billings County uh, conditional use permit and rezoning application, and also formed the basis for air quality permits and everything else we've done. Um, and so, you know, this is a key aspect of, of what the equator principles are, are trying to point companies to, and that you're going to think about these things and you're going to run your company away in a way that's consistent with best practices in these areas and not just do what you have to do to get a permit and start turning the dirt over. Um, you know, other aspects of it are just, uh, you know, like, uh, making sure that you have adequate stakeholder engagement, uh, which as you know, you know, our, our transparency and the way we deal with the public at, at large, uh, in North Dakota is I think second to none. Um, we've always been very open and, and engaged with everybody that has, a stake in what we're doing uh having a grievance mechanism is in place you know we we have that uh, both internally and in connection with all of our various permits uh making sure that you know one of the principles is is ensuring that your environmental and social management plan is reflected in the way you run the company and one way that's done through Uh, the equator principles as applied to project financing is that you have various financial covenants that require you to live up to what you say you're going to do on these on these issues Uh, independent monitoring and reporting Uh, we've already made it clear we're we're going to you know submit to that we gladly do Um, you know the technology these days for instance on air quality monitoring Make it as easy as allowing somebody to log into the uh, monitoring devices that operate 24 7 and make sure we're in compliance. So there is absolutely no opportunity for anybody involved in our projects to hide the ball on whether or not we're in compliance with any of these issues. Um, so that's pretty much it, you know, uh, doing the right things, uh, allowing confirmation and, and com- compliance checking. And putting your money where your mouth is, in terms of living up to it, as far as financial agreements, is, is kind of the guts of it. And again, you know, you, as you know from having been associated with us, uh, you know, with what you do for these many years, this has been part of what we've uh, done as a company since day one.
1: So, how do those those uh, principles and the goals that you guys have set forward? How do you implement that now into the construction and operation of the of the refineries? It's, give us the next, you know, three to six months or whatever it's going to look like implementing those goals and and those principles into the first phases here. Sure.
3: Uh, you know, again, it's, it's important to realize that there is nothing magical or mysterious about about this. Uh, you know, the way we addressed uh, just one small aspect of that is is air quality and we get a lot of attention on that so let's just take that as an example. Um, Everything that we've talked about here was already baked into the preliminary design of the project when we originally submitted it to the air quality division at the Department of Health. Um, Without them telling us anything that had to be done differently, Uh, We, through our own internal process, modified the design to improve the air quality characteristics of the project Uh, six months into that process with air quality. Um, So in April of 2017, we originally submitted the application in October 2016. In April of 2017, we, we amended our application to reduce the emissions limits that we were asking for from the Department of Health. Nobody told us to do that. Nobody asked us to do that. Nobody said it would be a great idea to do that. We did that because that's what we set out to do as a company in this industry. We wanted to have our refineries change the industry and be the cleanest in the world. And that's what it took to live up to that. So, you know, again, as we get started building it, the way we've addressed these principles is already baked into that design. Uh, we also will take care that all of our contractors, for instance, are similarly bound by contract to live up to these kinds of uh, stakeholder engagement and grievance kinds of, uh, of practices. For instance, one of the things that we found out in talking to people locally that when uh, one of the local gas plants was being built, uh, one of the most egregious things at least from the point of view of local residents was the way they damaged roads during the construction period. And, you know, there are only a couple ways in and out of certain of these areas out there. If you live out on a ranch or farm, and it really plays hell with your car and equipment if you're not going to be maintaining the roads properly. So, you know, our contractors aren't going to be allowed to do that kind of thing. And we expect to be held to that by the local community. Um, when we're operating the project, again, you know, compliance with everything we said we we're going to do as far as the way the plant performs is built into the way the permits are, are awarded and the way the plant is designed. Again, lapsing into air quality as an example, there is no way you could operate our plant, even if you wanted to in a way that's out of compliance with our permits without it setting off alarms in probably four or five different towns in the United States, including, you know, a, let's just call it a a remote ghost uh, operations center in Houston. Um, the guys in Bismarck at Air Quality are going to have uh, access to that information real time. It just cannot happen. Um, you know, that's part of the responsibility that we've bought into here, that we're not going to be making people sneak around trying to keep an eye on what we're doing in order to make sure we comply. So, you know, this is, you're right, this is all good stuff for the industry to get used to doing. And uh, I'm kind of proud of the fact that we're leading the way here.
1: When I'm looking at your refinery, the size of it, under under that 50,000 and similar sized refineries, Talk to me about how yours is going to be a little bit different as a result of what you guys have put together than the other refineries of similar size.
3: Well, the you know we're cheating to a certain extent, no, to a great extent. Um, starting with a blank sheet of paper, um, as we've talked before, you can take advantage of all the latest developments in the industry, and that begins with the latest developments in chemical engineering, and that. Allows us to design uh, pressure vessels, reactor vessels, in a way that makes use of the latest catalyst and and latest control technology. Uh, it's going to be the smartest refinery in the world when it's done in terms of digital controls and the way we we handle uh, you know monitoring and and uh, um, simulation as part of the operating regime. Uh, testing is going to be done a lot more frequently more real time in terms of both crude oil coming in and products going out. Uh, Several areas of the plant, uh, have even been changed for the better in the last six months, uh, like ground level flaring that will be only on an emergency basis. You're not going to have a big giant flare stack going all the way, you know, into the late, late night hours, like you see in many older refineries. Um, also, it's going to be safer. I mean, safety is a big deal. Uh, it used to be that, uh, you know, constructing a refinery like this would have been considered almost as dangerous as being in the underground mining industry. Uh, we're not going to tolerate that. Uh, we already, uh, have on staff uh, a group of guys that are planning, uh, all of the safety and training programs to eliminate, those kinds of concerns from operating a refinery you shouldn't be asked to take your life in your hands to go to work for us out there um you know and and as we've seen over the past year there have been some horrendous accidents in process plants with loss of life and serious industry that's not going to happen at our facility Um, again you cannot approach the industry in a narrow self you know self-interested manner like it has been done in the past um, it's good that the industry is not going to allow any companies to do that anymore it's very good that the financial community is going to require a much more responsible approach to building an operating plant like that and again you know it's it's really amazing to us that uh, this is suddenly caught on you know it's, it's you know it's like okay after seven six or seven years uh, we're suddenly an overnight success on this and other areas um, by the you know just by having put a lot of hard work into it
1: you know being progressive is difficult being a forefront being a you know profit if you will is is very difficult because it's hard for people for one to grasp and for two there's you know some people have that crab bucket syndrome they don't want anyone else to get out of the crab bucket before them so they pull down and There's a lot of different reasons and rationales for why people do things. Thing that I've appreciated about what you've done is, you know, I'm looking at these principles right now, review, environmental and social assessment, applicable environmental social standards, stakeholder engagement, reporting transparency, to name a few, you're doing all these things and the reporting and transparency is the one thing that I've always admired from what you've done because a lot of energy companies in the past have not done that. And you were very upfront to say we're going to change that about the industry, and you have done that. You've you've done a very good job of that. And the next, and I, I I say that because the next question I have for you is kind of a leadership question because you have been on the forefront of new technology. You've been on the forefront of innovation, and because of that, you've you've had some litigation. Which I remember last year you calling it the new normal in energy and. Boy, you could not be more right than that. When you look at what's going on in California, what's going on in Colorado, New York, uh, some of these other states, where any project, whether it's a pipeline or refinery, seems to be the new normal is years of a year or years of litigation. I don't want to get you in trouble. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you have been a leader in that area. You know for for come hell or high water, you've been through it. And um, do you have any advice for those people out there? Because it's starting to happen more and more. And um, I think a lot of people could really use your help as they enter through this. Does that make sense to you?
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I, well, let's face it, the energy industry has gotten very shy about public opinion. So the tendency has been to kind of hunker down and and become more secretive in many situations. I mean, you see this happening, for instance, uh, I'm not pointing any fingers or giving any specific examples, but, you know, pipeline spills. Um, uh, SOP used to be, uh, you know, don't tell anybody, get it under control, try to fix it before anybody, you know, sends up a red flag or a flare and get it under control on your own. Um, And that just doesn't work. Um especially this day and age. Uh, it's an invitation to a lawsuit. Uh you're just gonna bleed your company dry, uh, trying to defend that kind of practices. So, you know, we we decided early on that uh okay, uh we know just by looking around us that as soon as we get a permit in hand, somebody's gonna trot down to the courthouse and file a lawsuit. Um You know what's going to happen so how are you going to defend that lawsuit before it's ever filed and that's the way that we have tried to comport ourselves in terms of uh, of doing everything associated with davis in a manner that can withstand that close scrutiny um you know when we were sued on the the basis of the air quality permit for instance i you know i'm i'm gonna probably get in trouble mentioning a a number, but it seems to me that somebody mentioned that we provided over 200,000 pages of documentation during discovery on that lawsuit. And that's just a measure of the preparation that we went through along with air quality folks to make sure that we were doing the right thing. Um, And you just have to do that. Um, You know, we have seen projects in the past that didn't have to go through that. And I think uh, they were lucky, um, but you can't count on that anymore. You just have to go ahead and do things right in an entirely defensible manner. And if something's going wrong, you've got to be totally open about it. People have a right to know if there's an issue with a major energy project, either in the way it's being designed or in the way it's being operated.
1: You mentioned that spill, and that that got me thinking. When they in North Dakota, when they passed that, I mean, uh, it got to the point where if a truck got into an accident on the road, we would get a press release, and because there's only a certain amount of barrels, and and they had to send out a press release. And I remember thinking, we can't do stories on trucks getting in accidents. This is getting out of hand here. I mean, it's every, but if you're on, you know, on on the activist side that's all you need for your fodder is just a headline and a couple paragraphs but i just I, I, after talking to a few people in colorado they're going through a lot of changes there where some counties are now trying to get them put uh to get them to put um noise uh barricades around their wells and then the other they got a mobile air quality unit driving around the state and all kinds of different things. and i thought oh man that's it's going to be litigation for all these different people. So um, I'm glad that you guys continue to win in court. You got this great certification. Um, it looks like everything is back on, on track as far as uh, timelines and everything along those lines. So uh, just kind of concluding here, anything we left out, anything you want to make sure we reiterate, anything we want to elaborate on?
3: No, I, I just, you know, it's the whole process of, of – adopting this framework and, and putting this into a, a set of words and, and acronyms that, that are understandable in the current environment has been kind of a strange one for us, having lived up to the substance of it for so many years. And I, I just thought it was funny that we had to take this step to, to be recognized for what we've been doing all along. But, you know, again, that's the nature of the industry we're in these days, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. And uh, we're going to be around a long time, and I want to make sure everybody's happy with us, uh, you know, 10 years from now when this refinery has been in operation for a long time. So we're, uh, we're glad to be nearing the end of uh, all of this litigation, I think, uh, and we'll get this project built just as quickly as we can.
1: And once again, I want to announce that it is the completion and adoption of the Environmental and Social Management Plan. Otherwise, and it, uh, known as it's a ESG, the same thing, right? These are all the same acronyms. Just uh, yeah, there it is. Just announced. Oh, it's a that's different. The ESG is different than the ESMPC. This is also new. I'm still got to learn it. So that's why you're on here is to educate me a little bit on. I actually I thought it was the same thing, just a different acronym, and they were trying to figure it out. But I see ones for more for the investment side, and the other ones more for the energy side. So okay. Um, Well, fantastic. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com is the website if anybody would like to read more information. And uh, good luck. We'll be talking down the line, sir.
0: Thank you very much, Jason. Pleasure. To listen to the full-length interview, visit TheCrudeLife.com.
1: And that's going to do it for today's The Crude Life podcast. I'd like to thank Mr. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, for coming on today's program, as well as North Dakota Land Commissioner Jody Smith, who's going to be on in just a moment or two, and Royal Creek Consulting for being a sponsor here at The Crude Life Royal Creek Consulting Services, the oil and gas industry, and provides business development services for supply and service companies. They are currently working in Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Louisiana, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. For more information, visit RoyalCreekConsulting.com. Also, our featured event today is the 23rd Annual API Gumbo Cookoff, happening Saturday, March 28th at the West River Ice Rink in Dickinson, North Dakota. For more information, the link is available at the Crude Life's show page for more information. And if you'd like to email the program or if you have a band that you would like us to feature here on The Crude Life. Of course, our musicians, you're listening to the music of the Moody River Band. That is part of our Crude Life crossover, a way that we try to reach out and communicate and engage with people working outside of the industry. And here's an example of us trying to do that because at the end of the day, we love it when the musicians promote the oil and gas industry instead of protesting against the oil and gas industry. So, this is the Moody River Band. If you have a band that you would like us to feature here at the Crude Life Podcast, give us an email at jason at CrudeLife.com. If you have a guest, if you would like to sponsor, or if you'd like to just shoot me an email chewing me out or saying hello, you can always email jason at the crude Coming up next, North Dakota Land Commissioner Jody Smith responds to having multiple meetings behind closed doors regarding the state looking to collect natural gas royalties.
0: The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is
1: Jason Spies and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Jody Smith, the North Dakota Land Commissioner, who recently sent out a letter to dozens of operators outlining how they must pay money they had previously deducted from royalties owed to the state agency for developing state-owned minerals. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Jody Smith, the North Dakota Land Commissioner, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update.
4: Well, the ruling came out from the Supreme Court, and it's commonly referred to as the Newfield case. And so the litigation was brought against the board in March of 2018, kind of made its way through the district court and then up to the Supreme Court Uh, We argued our case in June of 19, and the court issued their ruling in July of 19. Uh, They then remanded the case down to district court for interpretation and kind of guide us on next steps. And so we've been waiting for the district court to kind of issue out uh, the interpretation of that ruling. And so the board just felt like it was in the best interest of these operators who are accruing interest every month to issue out a notification just making them all aware of this ruling and giving them a formal kind of guideline or or format in which they can come into compliance with the state we deal with about 80 gas operators and i think it's really important um, to note that this is only for gas it has nothing to do with oil and so of those payers we have about 40 of them who are out of compliance with the state they have been notified that they're out of compliance with the state just via an audit that we've probably done over the past five years Uh, We sent this notification out to all 80 operators just so that they would all understand kind of the process that we're going through right now. And we have been contacted this week by at least 20 of those payers trying to get into compliance with the state within the
1: the first 90 days. And that was North Dakota Land Commissioner Jody Smith. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit com. That's com. While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of social media energy enthusiasts. Right there at thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry,
0: it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
1: It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say.
0: To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing, and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch.
1: For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com.
2: have no trouble with the treble. There's no breaks in the breeze. It's just you and me, and baby. Singing it like we did in the good old day. Yeah, we're singing it like they did.
0: Crude Life every Monday through Thursday
3: with a Week in Review on Friday.